Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you this morning. Um, it is always good to gather as a community of faith. And we have been gathering now in this Lenten season talking about the different covenants that God initiates and remembers and keeps with his people. Last week we talked and considered um, the, the, the covenant that God initiated and kept and remembers with Noah. And not just with Noah, but the entire creation and all of humanity. We have that rainbow now as a sign of that covenant. That God will, will remember his covenant and promises never to release and unbind the watery chaos to destroy the earth again. That's an incredible thing to think of that. That God was so tired and distraught and regretted even creating humanity that he decided to to let chaos reign that watery void and chaos that he hovered over to bring to bring about order in the days of creation he then unbound and let chaos collapse on top of order but he saved a remnant he gave a second chance so he puts noah and his family into that ark and then on dry ground, all of humanity and all of creation is given a second chance to be exactly what God created and ordered us to be. And that's an amazing story, an amazing covenant, and an awesome sign for us to remember. And an awesome sign for God to remember. Because that's what it tells us in the scriptures, is that God puts this sign in the sky... That not only Noah and we can remember this covenant, but God and God's self will remember this covenant. How amazing is our God to place God's self on our level and to have that reminder of this covenant. A reminder that we need and he chooses to accept. That's awesome to me. And it's an amazing thing about the covenants that we will address and consider in the Old Testament and in the New. As God initiates, God establishes the covenant with individuals, with people, with the world, with all of creation. And God remembers and keeps these promises. And we are given the opportunity to respond to these covenants. Today we're going to talk about another uh, famous and popular and, and, and important covenant for us. And that's the covenant that God establishes with Abraham. And as I think about this covenant that is established with Abraham, I, I kind of want to, I want to give us a little bit of context. Because this is, if, if you read this through, it gets a little confusing. God calls Abraham out of his homeland in chapter 12 of Genesis. And he leads Abram out of the land of Ur towards the land of Canaan, this promised land. And he tells Abram along this route that he is going to give him the land. And he's going to have descendants as many that, that are more numerous than the stars in the sky. And in chapter 15, we have an episode of the covenant that God establishes with Abraham. 
In that particular episode, God invites invites Abraham to be a part of this covenant. They're almost on equal on equal ground in this covenant. In this particular case, in, in chapter 15 of Genesis, uh, Abraham is told to find these animals and to sacrifice animals and stack the carcasses up on two sides. And then in the, night, in the evening, Abram falls into a deep sleep. And then this smoking fire pot moves through these broken, cut pieces of the sacrifices as a sign of the covenant that's, that's being made between Abraham and God. And the sign is basically this, is that we're making these promises. God makes his promise, Abraham makes his promise, and we're both going to uphold these promises. And if we don't, if we break our promise, if we break this covenant, what has happened to these sacrifice animals will happen to us. God accepts that level playing ground with Abraham. They both have equal parts in this covenant. This is a particular tradition in Genesis. This is the Yahwistic tradition of the covenant. There's another tradition, the priestly tradition, which is what is in front of us today. In chapter 17, the, the writer of Genesis revisits this covenant with a different tradition. This one is all about God. God initiates. God establishes. God speaks. God keeps. God remembers. And it's up to Abraham to respond. Our reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 17 with verse 1 through 9. And it says in our, in our bulletin verses 15 and 16, but we're going to expand that to verse 17. Here now our reading from Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan, for a perpetual holding, and I will be their God. God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. 
I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I, a long time ago, when I was about seven years old, my mother and I, we used to attend a, a small Baptist church. It was just down the road from where we lived, and it was, I mean, it was a, you could put that whole church in this room. Very small church. They had always had part-time preachers, guys who had full-time jobs in other areas, and they would come in part-time on Sundays and Wednesday nights to lead the worship services and the prayer meetings. And for a while, there was a season where it was like a revolving door where all these preachers were kind of coming through in very short tenures. And there was one guy in, in particular that I can remember. He sticks out in my mind. I will never forget him. He uh, was a full-time pharmacist, and he came in to be our part-time preacher. He loved to sing. I mean, he... He loved to sing. The problem is, he wasn't very good at it. I can still see him. This would have been in the early 70s. I can still see him with that plaid polyester jacket on. And he would walk out to the center of that little small chancel area and he would say, Now I know that I can't sing very well. But I do love to sing. And so I'd like to offer this song of praise this morning. And then the piano would start playing. And he would start singing. And the hair on the back of your neck would rise up. And you'd get chill bumps. And you'd get the shivers. And before long, I found myself smiling. And then I found myself looking down at my feet. And then I found myself beginning to chuckle. And then I was in an absolute belly laugh, trying to be quiet. Oh, I did not want to be caught laughing in church. And you may ask, well, what did your mother do? Well, she was laughing with me. Our whole pew was beginning to rock as we were trying to hold that laughter in. And, and my great aunt, my mother's aunt, was sitting right in front of us. And she could hear us, probably hear the pew rocking. And she would turn around and she would smile at us and she would reach whoever she could with her thumb and her finger and try to pinch whoever she could get her hands on. And it just made it worse. And we laughed and we laughed. That, that experience is the reason I don't sing out loud today. I'm desperately afraid 
that if I were to begin singing, that's what I would sound like. But man, he loved to offer praise. And that's kind of a funny thing for me, and maybe for many of you, when, we're, when we, we have this response. I mean, we laugh at things that are funny that we find are humorous, and we, we laugh at that. But we laugh at all kinds of reasons. I have, a very, I have a nervous laugh. When I get nervous, I may start laughing. Or if I get startled, I may laugh. And, and I call that I laugh in the face of fear. That's what I, I call that. But really, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just a reaction. You know, when we were, um, our daughter was in, in college at LaGrange, and she was um, a theater major, and we went to see one of her plays, and it was a drama, and, and they had these, um, Leanne reminded me, they had, they had posters and signs on the doorways when you come into the playhouse, and they had them at the ticket office, they had signs up, and they had them all over, like, the, the lobby area, and then on the playbill, they had, they had the words of warning in the playbill saying, there is some language in this that you may find offensive, and, and there is a loud noise of a gunshot, and you may find alarming. We just want to give you a heads up. And so when, the, when we went in and found our, our seat, which was in mid-center, it was great seats, and we sat down, and, and, and I was looking at that, and I said, okay, so we have, a, we have a gunshot here. No big deal. I've heard that before. So I sat down and settled in, and then they kind of came out before they down, you know, kind of dim the house lights and and and, and the, the director said you know we just want to give you a fair warning once again that there's some language issues in this play and, and we don't want you to be offended um it's in the it's in the script and and there's a gunshot you're going to hear a loud gunshot we don't want anybody to have any issues and we just will give you a fair warning received so the play starts to go and the and the and these student actors, they were, they were professionals. They, they did a great job. They hit their marks. They knew their lines. The, the backdrops were great. The, 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 the lighting has set the tone of this kind of this tension and drama that was getting ramped up to this crest. And, and right at the crest of the, of the drama is this gunshot. And the lead actor falls over lifeless on the floor. And there's a hush in the entire house. And then I laughed. <laughs> but I tried to keep it down. And so after the play, our daughter comes out and we met her out in the lobby and we were talking about the play and all. And she goes, do you hear that person laugh? And I said, no. I, why, would, why would somebody laugh at that point in the play? That's such a serious moment. I have no idea. And Leanne's starting to laugh, and, and Ellie looked at me and goes, it was you, wasn't it? Yes, it was, it was me. I couldn't help it. Why did you laugh? I don't know. It scared me. It startled me, and I just laughed. I couldn't help it. It wasn't that I thought it was funny. It wasn't funny. But we could find ourselves laughing. And in this story of the covenant with Abraham, we have Abraham laughing at an inopportune moment. In the presence of God, he has thrown himself face down on the ground before God. And when God calls him up and says, I am setting my covenant with you, you will have descendants 
Oh, you're going to have so many descendants. You're going to have kings. You're going to be the father of kings. And your wife, Sarah, will be the, the mother of queens and kings. And from the ground, Abraham laughs. How absurd is this word? Oh, oh, who does God think God is talking to here? I'm a hundred years old. Sarah's 90 years old. This is absurd. It's impossible. It's crazy. And it's probably a little scary. It's a little frightening. He's probably a little anxious and nervous. And he laughs out loud because he's been told something he did not expect about himself. You know, Carl Rogers is a, a clinical psychologist coming out of uh, World War II, and he um, was a well-respected clinical psychologist for decades. And, and he has this idea about personalities and identity that he says there's this real um, identity that we our real self, when we are honest with ourselves, we that's what we say to ourselves. This is who we are. That's our attitude about ourselves. It's what we believe about ourselves to be true. It's our real self. But there's another self that Carl Rogers talks about, the ideal self. And the ideal self is that that self that we think we should be. And that comes with a lot of negativity. Because it's things we can't obtain, we can't reach, but it's things we should be. And so we find ourselves being overly critical of ourselves. And he says it's not necessarily, the ideal self is not always negative. It's not always the should be. It can be the aspire to be. That we're kind of in the making. We're, we're a work in progress, progress and we're always moving up, moving towards perfection in the self. But maybe in this covenant-making God, there's, a, there's another self that Carl Rogers hasn't addressed, and that's a faithful self. And that's the self that God calls, that God sees, that God leads, and God identifies us. And sometimes that faithful self looks a little scary. It makes us a little anxious. And, it's, and, to under, and to begin to hear what God thinks of us, we want to put all that God thought into the should be. That's the self we should be. But God sees us differently. He knows what we will be. And that's a different way to look at ourselves. And maybe when we see that self, when we hear that self, when we experience that self, it's alarming. It's a little scary. It ramps up our anxiety and our nerves. And maybe sometimes we just laugh like Abraham. But in this covenant-making God, with this covenant-making God, we can be that faithful self. We can be that self that aspires to be the ideal. But in this season of Lent, we're called to really look at that real self honestly. 
But never lose sight. Never lose sight of the faithful self, how God sees us as individuals and as a community. And so maybe when we hear what God sees in us, how miraculous we are, how incredible and amazing we are, the kind of people that a hundred-year-old man can have a child, a 90-year-old woman can have a son, that God can offer Abraham and Sarah a second chance to be the father and mother of kings and queens. Our faithful self is part of that lineage. And when we embrace that, when we open ourselves up to that faithful self, that divine view of us, maybe we too will fall on our face, on the ground, before God, in awe, in fear, and in anxiousness. And maybe we'll laugh. Maybe we'll cry. Maybe we'll tremble. But when all that's over, or even in the middle of, of our cries and our tears and our laughter, we'll stand up. And we will walk rightly with God. As God's people, as God's individual sons and daughters, and as God's family. All because God made it so, made it possible. Because we have this God who establishes, remembers, and keeps the covenants with us. And He empowers us, empowers us to be not just our real self or the aspiring ideal self, but the faithful self, faithful self of God. And that is a second chance. Just as Abraham and Sarah had a second chance. Just as Noah and all humanity have a second chance. We have a second chance in our identity. And for that I give great thanks to God. And so when you leave here today and you go about the rest of your week, whether you find yourself trembling in awe or fear or laughing in the face of fear, know you're walking with God. And that God has empowered you, has blessed you, and called you to be miraculous, amazing people to reflect all this love and grace to the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite us as we are able to stand for our affirmation of faith. It is printed in your order of service. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in his Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Amen. Okay. <laughs> There's a little switch there, a technical switch. Uh, I just want to, before we um, receive the benediction, just again, remind everyone of our um, four o'clock um, drive-in communion service today. It will be in the Fellowship Hall parking lot. I hope you will make plans to join us for communion this evening. I also want to mention that the women's Bible study will be at 4.30 today. It'll be in the new parlor. And we'll have our, um, the pastor's Tuesday evening Bible study uh, will be on Tuesday evening. Imagine that, Tuesday evening on Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock. And that's a hybrid um, style. We're doing it um, through Zoom and also in person. We're in the fellowship hall. If you'd like to join us in person, that's where we will gather. And we'll have it going on Zoom as well. Um, it, went, it was an experiment last time, and we'll continue this experiment um, this week. It went pretty well. We we're quite pleased. Um, but we are studying different characters. And this week we're studying David and Bathsheba and that couple together. And now... Let us receive our benediction. Having heard the word read and proclaimed, let's depart from this hour and this place to be God's people, covenant people, who are honest with our real self, aspire to an ideal, and embrace our faithful self to be God's people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.